0: Hello and welcome to yet another Trino Community Broadcast. This time I'm reporting not from Europe, but from quarantine in Canada. And we're in the in-between time of events between the Canadian Thanksgiving and the U.S. Thanksgiving. And there's also another big great event coming next week, but you'll find out a lot more about all of those things very shortly. Today, of course, I'm again joined by my co-host and favorite leader, Brian. (laughs) And Hello. we also have Andrew and Derek as guests today from Pravega. So we'll have a lot of interesting things happening. So let's roll, Brian.
1: Awesome. Yeah, so uh, really excited about uh, this, this one coming in. I don't know if as a relatively uh you know baby project uh you know and i'm not sure how how old it is internally maybe we can i'll ask you that in a second derek but uh um it's it's relatively new i think to me and a couple other people out there and uh um really you know excited to talk about it because uh it's it's coming in and on the heels and, and kind of challenging a couple of these like powerhouses that we know in the in the industry like Kafka and, and Pulsar and uh, you know kind of uh, challenging some of the the uh, existing uh, event streaming capabilities and, and adding in new features and uh, and just doing things a little bit uh, more I guess scalable and differently. So we're gonna get jump a lot more into that here in a little bit. Uh, but first, I'd like to kind of uh, introduce and and kind of get to know a little better uh, some of our guests. So so Derek. Uh, you know, I, 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 reached out to you, I don't know, was it like uh, three months ago or so uh, kind of uh, see, like talking about uh, Pravega and, and figuring out if we had some, uh, some overlap in the Trino Pravega area. Was that about the right timeline?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's, it's been a minute now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and what, what do you do? Like, you know, wh- where's Pravega come from and, and what do you do on it? And also how old is Pravega? I'm kind of curious about that mm-hmm. as well.
2: Yeah, Pravega is about five years old. Um, okay, you know, started I guess as an internal uh, Dell project, um, needing to sort of refactor aspects of existing you know event um, event buses or you know distributed communication okay. platforms. Very so cool. uh, I'm I work as the community manager of Pravega. Um, we've got quite a number of people working on Provega or technologies surrounding Provega, so there, there's quite a lot of us over at Dell um, working and, in this space. And
1: it was open source from day one, or or how did this work? How did this all come up? I guess.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I think you know to to be successful in the streaming space, Dell realized they needed to to make this an open source project. You know, kind of like you're saying. I think streaming is relatively new. I. I started seeing a lot of streaming around 2010 as, um, people tried to achieve like what, what they termed internet scale. So you yeah, know, there's a lot of use of active MQ or rabbit MQ. Yeah. Um, maybe around 2016 to 2018 is when I think Kafka really started blowing up and, yeah. uh, people really started looking to adopt Kafka. I know I started adopting Kafka around 2016 at a company. Um, and, uh, and I think Provega dates back to about 2017, um, you know, it's, it, it's zero one release was, was open source. Um, hmm. okay. So, you know, we're, we're releasing zero ten 10 now. So, um, we've had, I guess, 10 major releases We're uh. You know, probably closer to to 1.0 than ever. Uh, we keep hmm. debating when when that should happen. <laughs> you know, that's always uh, an issue, right? Yeah. It's always like, when does this become like the one? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I always find that funny when when projects are like very old, very mature, running in production all over the place, but then some mm-hmm. humble engineer decides it's a zero point zero point something version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, okay. Well, thanks uh, for that little kind of intro to yourself at, at, and Provega, uh, Derek. Uh, let's hop over to Andrew. Andrew, uh, wh- have you been in Pravega since day one or, or are you relatively new to the project or what's, uh, when did you get involved?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so. Uh, I've been at Dell. I've been at Dell EMC for like twelve years, um, mostly okay. working on like cloud storage. Um, I actually have not worked on Pravega proper. Um, I've just kind of been loosely associated with it. Um, working on some things around it, like cool. integration with Trino. One more, just like what can we do now that the data is in Pravega? What can we do to query it and and do think useful things with it? Um, so. Great. That's been probably the past year or two. So I've gotten familiar with Provega. I've used it, uh, but not as a, you know, hands-on, you know, coding, uh, adding features kind of way. So yeah, it's uh, definitely been cool learning about it.
1: Well, great. We're we're definitely gonna. So you know, we have a lot of folks on here that kind of come from a lot of different backgrounds, right? Uh, that some of them are just analysts or or data scientists that use Trino. Other ones are are the engineers that set. up it up and so and some are you know pretty familiar with batch but maybe less familiar with uh streaming in real time and so i i think you know when we get into the concept uh here in a, a little bit we're going to kind of take a step back and kind of talk about what is an event and you know and all these different things What are the concept of streaming i think we'll we'll get into a really cool conversation there but before we jump right into that um I'm going to do a slightly different take on uh, on our uh, advertisement, uh, and, and we typically just do kind of a starburst ad for uh, Galaxy, um, but instead, I'm going to uh, do a really quick talk about an uh, event we have coming up, which Manfred earlier alluded to, called Trino Summit, uh, and I've I mentioned this a couple times, I, I've like been really horrible about like you know actually broadcasting and getting getting this out into the uh, world but uh you know it's uh, it's coming up later this month now and now that I've been super late on uh, on advertising and marketing this uh, well enough but uh, it is coming up October 21st October 22nd we have uh, a lot of really, really cool um, uh, talks coming up. Let me just uh, quickly highlight a couple of the speakers. Um, so we have, for instance, Ryan Blue from uh, Tabular, uh, Akshat Nair. Uh, he, he spoke on a Trino meetup a while back. He's an uh, engineering manager from DoorDash. Uh, also, uh, Satya Bora. Um, of course, we got the the, the typical trio: Martin, Dane, and David. Uh, you know, all, all the co creators of Trino there. Um, and then we have folks from Robinhood, Netflix, LinkedIn, Electronic Arts, uh, Stream Native, and uh, uh, we also have StarTree um, uh, founder uh, Zhang Fu uh, talking about Pinot a little bit. So, uh, quite uh, an array of of folks uh, talking at this year's event. And uh, yeah, we have talks uh, anything from uh, state of Trino as the normal, as well as uh, you know how to get fast results with Iceberg, and uh, you know uh, a lot of caching happening at Netflix, uh, affinity schedule uh, caching. So uh, a lot of interesting ways to to speed up your queries and and make things go super fast. So um, really looking forward to this event. Uh, I have a little treat for everybody at the at the beginning of the of the uh, summit. So look forward to that. It has music and, and all sorts of of uh crazy jams that you will be coming your way from commander bun bun um and uh and yeah we're going to be doing prizes handouts all sorts of fun stuff um so,
0: so uh so so brian um that's all sounds awesome but how do i get there when uh, and how do i register Yes. What's it going to cost me?
1: (laughs) So it's not going to cost you anything. Uh, Good good question there. Uh, You can register for free. Um, We will have the details for that in the show notes. Um, But uh, basically, if you just go to starburst.io forward slash info forward slash Trino Summit, uh, and then you go to the register section here. And again, that link is going to be in the show notes. Uh, I know it's not the easiest one. Um, and then uh, go to this uh, sign up page here. You just fill out your information and uh, you'll we'll, we'll basically get you a, a link that will come back and we'll have your little uh, link to uh, fill out your information and join the, uh, uh, join our little, um, event session. So, uh, so yeah, that'll be, uh, uh, the 21st, 22nd. And, uh, yeah, again, really, uh, looking forward to that. Um, we tried to make it good enough times for that, you know, so that, people in Europe and people, uh, in the U S could all enjoy it, but you know, that's never super easy to do. And unfortunately it'll be a slightly unfortunate timing for, especially people in APAC. So we really do apologize, but we will be actually having more of these types of events, uh, as we scale up to, uh, to in multiple regions as well. So um, you
0: can attend it from the comfort of your living room or couch, right?
1: yep at, at whatever time it is it is for you uh at the same time yes and this all this is all virtual is all live so um you know so it will be uh you know none of this pre pre-recorded stuff or anything like that we we will uh be you know reporting everything live so uh all really exciting stuff um yeah uh so uh, anything else i missed there manfred before i i, I move on into uh into well, our little news there segment? right yeah, actually, yeah. So Manfred and I will both be there. Uh, Manfred's going to be uh, kind of in the background. I'm going to be, you know, as my per my usual status quo, just hanging out in the front, blabbing my mouth off, and uh, getting everybody stoked and excited about Trino. So, um, so yeah, so really excited about this. And uh, with that, uh, let's move on to um, to news. So, um, so Manfred, what uh, is going on with the release? Uh, this this uh, here was it which release are we on anyway, Yeah, 363
0: 363 the numbers are rising up we will we'll, we'll get to the one release a day soon right like 365 366 coming shortly <laughs> <laughs> Yes, totally uh, um but yeah the 363 came out recently and one of the cool things that happened is um trino has this event listener uh, system where basically it can broadcast events out uh, mm-hmm. or query completions and all sorts of like information around that it's processing basically. Yeah. And now someone actually wrote in a community, wrote an event listener plugin. Um, and what that allows you to do is um, you can basically uh, configure that and then um, the events like query completion, what the query was, who initiated uh, is basically that, that payload is sent via HTTP to a receiving end and you can like have that whatever system you want. And then you can track basically the what's going on in Trino, and that's the first community implementation of that, and that's that's very cool. Nice. Um, so, and then you know you can do audit or whatever else, any analysis depending on how you capture the, the data. Then at the other end, which is really nice. Um, um, other things that got done uh, is uh, insert and override for S3 back tables was implemented. Um, We got a few new types, uh, supports in different connectors. So scaled float in the Elasticsearch connector, the tuple type in the Cassandra connector, as well as the time type in the MySQL connector. So all of those are new, as well as the last one, date time offset in the SQL server. So lots of kind of that, like, you know, small but very useful changes because, you know, if you use one of those systems and you have a table where there is that data type and it doesn't work, then you have to futz around with workarounds like mapping it to var char and well, then like I mean, casting it and stuff that's all painful right yeah so, and that
1: was one of the workarounds that i did when the Elasticsearch side right when we had that thing where you could just yeah, set exactly. that property and say okay anything that's you know from this property below is now officially json you know and we just yeah. return it to you as the json blob
0: <laughs> yeah and that, that that's great as a workaround and fix but ultimately you, you want like you have to cast, and you have to like understand. Your users have to understand that they need to do that, and it makes yeah. it slower and all that pain. So um, these t- little changes make a big difference for those users that are affected. So that's great. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, another thing that happened again, if you look in the general section of the release notes, a whole bunch of little per- miscellaneous performance uh, fixes and memory usage improvements got in again, which always is great, right? Like we're just inching closer and closer to. Uh, performance that no one else can touch so that's really cool um there was some uh, regressions recently with the show roles um sql command that had some downstream problems but that was fixed now so if you're on 363 or uh, 362 you should definitely upgrade um a similar regression was fixed again as well on the explain analyze the estimates display uh, kind of was busted for a little bit that's got fixed and then um one last thing that had numerous fixes was parquet files. Um, there was hmm. a bunch of improvements for parquet file reading, uh, and that affects the Hive and the Iceberg connector. So. Yeah it's,
1: there's been a lot we've had coming in for parquet specifically I feel yeah. like it's it's become a much more popular use case and we before uh you know for those that don't know the the history of the context like we we prior like Dane in particular like he rewrote the orc uh serializer deserializer and all that code there from scratch uh for yeah. Trino and it was it, it, it like the big uh focus was on orc and making sure orc was performant and then um you know, over time Parquet got added in, but it wasn't, uh, up to par with, with basically the, 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 hot, the, sorry, the, um, the Orc performance. And so, uh, more recently there's been a lot of, uh, you know, aim to fix, especially these nested, uh, kind of, uh, field type of, uh, uh use cases that come around Parquet. It's like the one reason why you use Parquet and not Orc, uh, at least in my, in my Personal view, I I'm a yeah, huge yeah. Ork fan, so um, but yeah, so like you know the nested thing is a super important use case, and we're we're adding a lot more performance uh, enhancements around uh, you know how that how that gets queried and, and parsed and everything.
0: Yeah, for the longest time, Ork was way ahead in performance because it had that custom written uh, reader and writer, and Parquet yeah. just used the hyphen, which was slow. Um, now it's pretty even. Like Parquet can basically touch Ork now, so um, that's very useful because. Uh, As it stands, a lot of people use parquet as the default file format. So it makes a big difference for those users. So it's cool. Cool. that's 363. And of course, we're working on 364 already, but that will have to wait for next time. For
1: next time. All right. (laughs) Well, shall we move on to the concept of the week? Let's do it. All right, so now we are at the concept of the week, and uh, as we kind of mentioned in the intro, uh, this is all talking Vega. So, um, so Derek, uh, you know, I, I want I wanted to make sure that we got everybody who is is not up to up to snuff and up to speed on on a lot of this, you know, event streaming stuff. Like first, like let's just have a quick kind of discussion around events and streams, and what are all these abstractions, and what are they? How are they useful, and how do we represent them?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, going back to your release 363, you've already mentioned events, right? So yeah, your, <laughs> um, your uh, webhook handler, I guess it is. Um, yep. It yes. sounded like you're emitting um, user events out of, out of Trino, it's, like if yeah, I some queries. My queries executed. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. So, we so that's a great, a, great uh, time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a uh, all kinds of systems emit these kind of useful um, tidbits of information you know, uh, audit trailing maybe is what, what your event, your new event feature sounds like, but so sometimes these events are, are basically like state transfers between distributed systems and, and they're critical components of, you know, of business logic as uh, as state is communicated around, you know, various systems in an enterprise. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, just continuing with your, your little trio events, you could hook our, um, our webhook handler, or webhook receiver up to your, uh, you know, HTTP event broadcaster. We could write these events to Prevega and then um, turn around and use Trino to query Trino's audit trail.
0: Nice. Um,
2: so, so I, you know, I mean, uh, there's all kinds of, I guess, guarantees you need to give yourself if you're using events to develop a system. Um, yeah. You know, you need ordering. Typically, if you can't guarantee ordering, you need item potents. Uh, there's quite a lot of complexity that develops as you, you know, as you're dealing with failures, you need like infinite retries, you know, if you're, if you're doing that, you need like, I guess, subsequent queues to put your retries into it. Just, uh, there's quite a lot to it. Um, and when it, you know, when it comes to your systems getting more traffic and all being event-driven. You know, now you're having to scale these middlemen that are delivering your events around, and that's, I guess, where Purvega comes in is to uh, hmm. is to provide a reasonable base for scaling um, some kind of an event passing system. So, okay.
0: in the slide here, I see it says server, sensor, etc. Events. Um, what are some of the practical things of events that are sent? Like, is it like IoT events, like light switch on and off, like even those kind of things, or
2: yeah, sure. It could be anything. I mean, I, I tend to think more about, um, you know, from my background is in telecommunications, um, internet service providers. So yeah. there our events are much more critical, you know, without events, we couldn't scale the, the telephone system. Yeah. And, uh, and in that world, like you can't lose an event or else, you know, you have some kind of system failure. So, yeah. Um,
1: there's also you like,
2: know, you know, like Uber, right. You
1: know, right. that's a, that's a lot of events coming in and every, person with their cell phone. Right.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe He's, with some farm dry. sensors, you know, maybe with farm sensors or like yeah. GPS pings, you can tolerate some loss, Yeah, you know, in other, in other systems, you know, you can't, you can't. So there's a, I guess there's different, maybe, uh, bars of, you know, different thresholds, I guess, of, um, Criticality, service. Yeah.
1: Criticality. Yeah.
2: Right. There you yeah.
0: Go. Cool.
1: So, so what is, what makes then, you know, so we get a, is, is a stream basically just a bunch of events or is a stream something more than just like, you know, I get, I get a a bag of events okay. And you were saying something about ordering item potence, you know, that's, that's basically where you want to make sure that if I do something over and over again, like the same result occurs. Right. So like what, what, what's special about a stream that's not just like maybe just a bag of events.
2: Well, in Prevega, a stream truly is a a sequence of bytes. So, um, you know, there are, are, I guess, protocol prefixes in most messages or most events. In in Prevega, though, we represent a stream as just a a sequence of bytes. We call that the segment. Okay. Uh, We do, we tack on a small um, length header, but that's about it. We don't, you know, other uh, message platforms, they provide you a message object and you pack. You know, you pack their your headers into their headers section. You you pack your data into their data section. Um, Prevega we just take your data as you hand it to us. We tack on um, a little length header, and, and that's all there is to it. So, hmm. um, so under you know, if we're looking at, at this sort of head to tail right here with events going into it um, on disk, you know, this is truly just a stream of bytes and if we're looking at the first event there, E1, it's it's prefixed by a little link header. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, E2 as well.
1: Uh is it me or is it, it we lose
2: Derek a little bit? I think it's
0: like, lost, oh, there he is. I'm popping oh, yeah.
2: it out. Okay, I'm back. Well um so so when uh yeah so when the client's streaming this stuff back the 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 client's actually responsible for separating the events mm-hmm. uh, in that regard. So uh, this allows us to do um, to do some novel things around continuous data, um, such as like multimedia or video streams. Cool. Uh, you know, we're not, uh, in other systems, you're typ- typically like irrespective of multimedia framing, you're you're cutting the data up into packets and, and, and shoving those into messages. And then on the other end, you're like, Retrieving messages and pulling your data out of packets, and then like reconcatenating. Well, in in Pravega, your data just stays concatenated as you sent it in. Um, it's it's yeah.
1: literally just storing it, right? It's like yeah, it's, right, yeah. Right. So that <laughs> okay.
2: so we have a byte stream API where we don't put those length headers in, and we just store your bytes directly. So the bytes you send us are the bytes we write to disk, and then you can you can read those bytes back without any um, you know event framing.
1: Okay, cool. So we, you know, this is kind of one idealistic view of, of events. Right. But uh, I know yeah. that this kind of, if this were the actual true picture, right, your events are, are very linear and you have, you know, one event after the other, it's a very, you know, nice little queue there. Uh, then, then that might be an easier problem to solve. But, uh, Pravega noticed that this isn't the right way to model events or streams. Right. I think, uh, more particularly i looked at uh um one of the other engineers uh flavio's um kind of uh presentation on this and he likes to see events like this almost you see these uh right. kind of things happening at the same time and things get bigger things get smaller and the demands are constantly changing uh as time goes on and i think Many, many of us that are listening to this and watch that, we're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that makes much more sense, right? right. This is really how the real, wor- the real world
2: works." <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. I mean, under uh, you know previous systems, maybe um, if we're thinking about ActiveMQ or whatever, these were like more monolithic, single system. Yeah. Right. So, if your pipe needed to get bigger to support more throughput, you had to like enlarge in the entire pipe or, or scale up. Right. So, um you know, systems obviously like fluctuate in their throughput. So, so as you know, we're all wanting to, I guess, build our businesses and, and make more revenue as we do that, we'll, we'll see more use and, and require yep. more load. Yep. So we need a, we need a good way to scale our systems as uh, as load increases or decreases. Yeah. And I guess that's where Provega comes in is uh, um, we don't really see it on, on this diagram yet, but, um, but we're stacking basically segments. Um,
3: yeah,
1: I, mean, I, can go, man- I can go. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, sure, I'll skip go. straight to it. There, yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: So yeah, I mean there. So there, you can see where um, where we're sort of like splitting and merging segments as as time goes on. Now, this is using, uh, I guess, our event API. So there, so we have routing keys here on the. We'll we'll hop into that
1: too. I just wanted for to sure. kind of give you some reference to, to keep going on with what you were saying. For sure. And, for sure. Yeah.
2: So, so this is kind of um, uh counterintuitive in the sense that like the smaller the rectangles get, the more throughput we're handling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but you can kind of see segment, you know, segment one splits into segment two and segment three um, segment zero splits into segment five and segment four. And yeah. then, you know, as traffic is diminishing segment two and segment five merge into segment six. Yeah. Um,
1: so we can, I wanted to just give, give you that visual that to speak to real fast and we'll, we'll right, have, right. we'll hop more into detail on the segments here in a second, but I just wanted to. <laughs> just yeah, so, you that, the so
2: Right under the covers, that would be what's happening in a fluctuating stream like this is, uh, yeah. you know, you'd be increasing and decreasing the number of segments that you're appending to in parallel. Um, keys may or may not be used to order individual events at, you know, on the receiver side. Yeah. Um, so if
1: we, cause I, one thing I like to see is like, if we zoom in, you know, let's, let's look at one particular point in time where let's say this load increase happens and we have pretty much like three events here happening simultaneously in the next split, let's say about roughly, you know, you have E 25, E 22, E 23, those three are happening roughly about the same time. So about this load increase here, at least in this picture, if we're drawing a, a vertical line across these, you know, as you go across in time, you're going to want to have maybe at least three segments here. Whereas, you know, as we go where the load drops, you only have, you know, uh, one kind of, if we're drawing the vertical line again and we're going across, you're only having one event coming at a time. And that's that's where we kind of draw that correlation with the picture that we just saw, where we have all the little rectangles is, any, anytime we draw a vertical rectangle through any of those segments, when they're split, that's those, you could basically write to all three, you know, an event to each of those segments at a time. And you're being able to to handle that, you know, parallelly and, and, uh, um, and also uh, basically being able to essentially like, yeah, handle the load at that point. So, so that's, I just wanted to, you know, some of these drawings may be a little abstract for those that are not as familiar, but, um, but yeah, it's, I just wanted to, you know, make that, make that connection there for anybody who was confused by the, the square drawing
3: before.
2: Sure. Yeah. And the concept I guess is to add, you know, to add more boxes to the problem and scale out the solution rather than upgrade to beefier boxes. Yep. 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 I mean, that's a pretty well understood these days. Yeah. But 15, 20 years ago we were, we were building larger boxes each time. Right. So,
1: yep. So I want to dive in a little bit more to like you and you mentioned it before, you said, you know, essentially for segments are, are just, you know, in Provega anyways, it's a it's a it's a bunch of bytes. So you said, really, it just ends up being you you, you get a message in, let's say, from, you know, or a message or an event um, that has all this, you know, all this byte data. Do you just how do you decide to, how do you split it up and, and how is that tracked? You know, when, once you do split it up into these different segments, uh, I'd like to know kind of, you know, what, how, how these segments kind of become segments and, uh, and ultimately get tracked and, you know, are, uh, coming from that event.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, there, I guess the number of segments is based on scaling policies. Uh, okay. Kurt Vega can, can auto scale. You can manually scale as well. You could tell it like stream you're fixed at five segments. Okay. Now stream you're scaling up to 10 segments okay, now you're scaling okay. back down to three segments, right? You can do that manually, but also you can set scaling policies and then the system will will measure throughputs and, and scale automatically for you, adding and removing segments as, as needed for whatever your scaling policy is.
1: And there's a direct correlation to like how many readers and writers you have based on how many segments there are, or that's also con- kind of configurable as well?
2: Uh, there can be that, there, yeah, there's, um, there's a callback in the API so you can receive... Um, sort of the, we call it, I think, you know, we call them epochs when, uh, when we're changing the segment, like, um, the time steps where, um, where segments split or merge at, at those points, you can get back, um, like how many segments are in play now. And okay. then, and then in your orchestration, you could spin up or tear down uh, writers or readers.
1: Okay. Very cool. Uh,
2: so that is possible. Um, you know, we could, we could use more automation there for sure, but, but the system is built, you know, to, uh, to enable those use cases. Awesome. Very and then cool. as, um, so I guess similar to Kafka or, you know, any number of other systems, there's, there's this concept of a routing key, right? So like, if, I, if I'm sending events and I'm as the sender, I need to guarantee order, I can um, indicate that order by routing key. So, uh, you know, I could also maybe not um, not use routing keys if, I, if ordering is not a concern of mine. Then um, I'll just go. Then into my random. events go into <laughs> yeah into a random segment. Now there will be some I guess stickiness or I don't know what the best word is, but um, you know we will we'll, will stick with a random segment for a while and then we'll uh, we'll switch to another random segment.
1: Is it, could it, if it's not, if you don't care about routing keys or order at that point, do you just, I mean, does Praveka kind of take more into account, uh, the load of a particular segment or kind of hotspots, that kind of thing, uh, based on node traffic or something else, or, or is that, or is there something else that you're more concerned about?
2: Uh, I don't know that we're doing like, um, proper load balancing yet in that sense. Like maybe it's possible just through the chaos to get, to get a hot segment okay um, but but it's more yeah, the stochastic you know random you know the nature of like picking oh. a random segment and then uh, sticking with that segment for a little while
1: and and that's almost always good enough anyways, it's just those weird use cases, you know yeah, where...
2: yeah yeah, and so you could you know this, you could monitor I guess all of that and, and do um, you know provide that to yourself for sure.
1: Yeah. Or do you have customers or or users that that uh are doing a lot of these kind of like like really crazy stuff, or is it still pretty like yeah, just use what like kind of what's out of the box, or they're they're using routing keys specifically and and scaling uh you know do kind of auto scaling, just out of the box
3: stuff.
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, we're pretty good out of the box. There's um there's obviously a lot of use cases. A lot of we're getting a lot of requirements from for what we're seeing. Okay. So so we're constantly you know improving the system. Um, our next round of improvements actually are are going to be kind of dedicated to observability and debuggability. So Oh cool. Um, yeah. So it's that very helps useful. Out. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, awesome. Yeah, so Yeah, let's see where are we are in our little
1: yeah. So I was going to say like this, this is kind of like a re, rehash of the old events uh, kind of uh, the, the events picture that we had before. And now scale down and scale up in Prevega is, I guess, looking like you have a whole bunch of these segments that you're writing a bunch of bytes to. And then as, uh, you know, let's say auto scaling kicks in and realizes that there's a lot of traffic essentially coming in. and You need to, you know, start doing that uh, further segmentation. You need to add new segments. Then you... You basically reset re- uh, re- reset the routing keys and basically add new segments, a new set of segments that will scale up for you. And then when the when, again when the load kind of diminishes again, you you go back to this too. So I think that that's roughly what I'm seeing here. But I don't know mm-hmm. if there's anything else uh, that kind of goes goes into that that I'm missing.
2: Well, I, I, one distinction um, is maybe we use a routing key space regions instead of sharding, right? So other systems uh, will sort of, uh, what they'll like modulo a a number based on the number of um, nodes in a cluster. And that will, that will pick the assigned cluster, the assigned cluster node in Pravega, though, we, we split up the routing key space regions. Typically we think of it as like between zero and one. Okay. And then different regions of, of you know, of that number line will be assigned to individual segments. Okay. So um, so if there's a, you know, um, I guess regions in that number line can be hotter than other regions, depending okay. on key traffic. If I'm, if I've got a lot of traffic on a particular key, then obviously that segment's gonna be hotter than other keys or. Yeah. Um, so we may, what? so, so it's not an equal division in typical, typically in sharded systems, it's a, it's like an equal division of the space. Hmm. And then you're relying again on like stochastics, but, um, but in Pravega we may, we may give one segment more of the routing key space because, um, that's that routing key space is quieter, I guess is okay one way to say it.
1: That makes sense. So, so if we go back to this picture again, um, yeah, so the, the zero to one, could you give me like a, like a, maybe a practical example of like what maps to that space? Cause it sounds like basically we're saying you take some original space, like geolocation or something like that. And you, you basically normalize it to a zero to one on this, at least for this picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, well, so and then or this, you can
2: think of maybe like a keyed by a account number. Oh, okay. Right. So. Okay. Then my my account number may hash to like 075. Maybe that's maybe my account number twelve. You send that through our you know our floating point hashing algorithm, and you get back zero point five. Well, every time you know for account twelve, you get back zero point five. Okay. So my um, so my events will always be written along this horizontal line that follows zero point five. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I'm using my mouse correctly, it looks like we would go. You know, my events would be in segment one and then end up in segment three like right above the division line yep okay so um so so basically that's how ordering is preserved in Prevega. if we're if we're keying events yeah. then when we come back as a reader we'll read all of segment one that then my you know my account events will be in order mm-hmm. you know before we pick up segment three we'll have exhausted all of segment one and then you know we'll, we'll pick up segment three and and so the reader group that's processing these events, it'll, um, you know, it'll recover all of like, you know, account 12s events in order.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm uh, also, so you mentioned before, like just a second ago that, um, so we're in this diagram, we're showing like very even splits and, you know, like, right. and, and so you're saying though, that Prevega does have that option to basically say, Oh, okay. Like, you know, maybe in this, in this split, it, it might've been that we're seeing a lot of hot like activity in right. zero zero five to let's say zero six zero point six, And so you would have, you could maybe make segment two a little smaller right. so that not you know, it's only basically that segment is in charge of all that traffic and it's not gaining anything from 0.6 to 0.75 here. And right, that'll right. be segment three segment three in the quieter zone. Like you were mentioning that part is, is receiving less traffic receiving less bytes at that point. Right. Is that, i understand okay for sure yeah
2: or if we you know if we look at the just the active segments here you know let's say segment four stays hot and segment three Uh and six quiet down right three and six could could merge together and okay uh, you know and and stay this
1: one big giant zone yeah essentially right okay right okay got it that makes a lot of sense yeah there's quite a bit
2: of variability to it you can even kind of uh get into under, under the covers of the api and specify these segment ranges yourself so if someone wants to get really creative, um, you can, you can manually control yeah. quite a lot of Prevega
1: and it, like, basically if you know your space super well, and you know, the, you kind of have some way to maybe even predicting or detecting, you know, things beforehand, right. you could start getting
2: those setting. Cool. Some really Very special cool. UK use cases. Yeah. Might, might benefit. <laughs> uh, otherwise yeah. it's there for our, you know, for our automations to, to leverage. Right? Got it.
1: Um, so so we we talk a lot about auto scaling, and I think that that's a huge feature that really is is kind of one of the more novel features that Pravega is bringing right but uh um I, I also wanted to kind of talk into this other one uh where it's kind of you know Pravega's got this really cool capability now with segments to do uh transactions so uh could you speak a little bit to like the you know, what, what transact, how, how transactions can happen, uh, how they can be aborted. Obviously, you know, if you have a transaction, you, you have this kind of concepts of the same thing with databases, you know, committing and, a, and aborting and rolling back. And so, um, so how, what, what does, uh, how does segments kind of enable this, this kind of, uh, syntax and, and capability, uh, and, and, uh, you know, what does it look like for in a segment level?
2: Yeah. So it's, uh, in, in Pravega, transactions are literally um, transient segments. So all of the all of the events that are targeting a transaction will will accumulate into these um, transient segments. If uh, if the transaction is aborted, those segments are just um, discarded and sort of thrown away. If um, if the transaction is committed, then those segments get appended directly onto the active segments of the stream as if they were humongous events. Okay. Um,
1: and this isn't like, uh, this isn't on by default, I guess. So like by default, you're just writing directly to the active segment, but if you enable transactions, there's this kind of pre like almost think about it like a, a buffer or, um, or like a, a kind of, um, you know, kind of a, uh, what's the thing that you've, the the log you know you essentially have like mm-hmm. kind of a log sitting there i'm guessing this is book, bookkeeper right so it's like essentially yeah just this this pre-commit log and then mm-hmm. you write you start writing to it and then essentially the commit uh, tra- uh, like triggers like a flush into moving it into the active segment
2: right is yes. that is that
1: on is that on by default though
2: well yeah we have a transaction api a part of the event api is a transactional writer Okay. And, uh, and so yeah, you, you begin transactions. Once you've begun a transaction, you get back a, a little writer object that you actually use to write your events. You commit, if you commit that cool. transaction, then yeah, those segments merge with the, with the main segments at that time.
1: And does the transaction uh, context stay with the segment afterwards? And can you roll back and do things like, like this, or is that? Yeah, there's transaction.
2: Well, you can um, introspect transaction status. So, okay. um, So you're actually able to achieve, I guess, exactly once with the um, with the use of our transactions in the sense that um, really all I have to do is persist my transaction IDs. And then if I have a failure and I'm coming back up, I can, I can inquire the state of my transaction. If I also know where to pick up where I left off, I can I can recover those transactions and just um, emit events into them again and reuse those transactions. If I um, if I can't recover in that way, I can cancel that transaction and you know start over from from where that transaction began. Um, so anyway, with uh, with some transaction ID persistence and and interrogating the status of a transaction. I can confirm whether my transaction is successfully committed or not, um, upon recovery and I can achieve, you know, exactly what semantics on, um, on my event system.
1: That's awesome. That's, and I know that's been like, since the beginning of event streams, you know, like, like really coming for, to the forefront, that's been one of the bigger challenges is these exactly once semantics. There's right. like, if you just Google exactly once semantics and you know, you'll, you'll get a plethora of, mm-hmm. of. Blogs written about this, the, the difficulty it is to achieve that. So that's very neat. So,
2: right. Yeah. And we're able to achieve, I guess, uh, especially in, in the Flink world with their two phase commit um, capabilities, we're able to achieve it end to end exactly once. So, you know, in the Kafka wow. world, maybe you can get exactly once writing, but then once you're up in um, what do they call that? Kafka streams, then. And you kind of lose your exactly once and exactly once really allows i think the the developer to simplify the semantics he's working with yeah. otherwise you're you're really tied into you know tracking of NIDs or or ensuring item potence and item potence can be difficult to guarantee so so
1: let's uh uh you know kind of hop into you know so i i wanted to just kind of give us a, a second to kind of you know there's there's uh, another aspect on top of what we've been talking about with you know this exactly one semantics we've talked about uh, how segments allow you to, to auto scale. Um, one cool thing I thought with Pravega architecture is particularly this tiered storage and how you know essentially Pravega seems to view the stream now as kind of like it's no longer this kind of ephemeral. Uh, you know, data that just passes through, it's actually a much more, it's, it's gearing up for a much longer term storage and trying to treat, uh, streams as kind of like a, essentially just, you know, another database. So could you talk a little bit about the, you know, the architecture here and kind of how the different tiers of, uh, of, uh, storage, you know, kind of work and, and how, sure. you, uh, you know, where you go about? It. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well,
0: so I mean- also, also oh, yeah. what does it what does it take to to run Pravega? Right. Like I see here, it's Apache Bookkeeper. So I guess it's written in Java. Like how how do you run it?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Pravega is um, you can run it a number of ways. We've run it on Mesosphere. You, know, you can run it manually. You can you know do a manual deployment of all the pieces. Uh, but but Pravega takes the view of kind of being Kubernetes native as well. So. Hmm. Our, our operators are part of the project they're not um, hidden away in some proprietary offering um, we intend I guess you know Prevega is a, a project at the cloud native computing foundation where kubernetes lives and so we want to be you know right next to kubernetes deploying on kubernetes so um, Dell is kind of going all in on kubernetes a lot of our systems are being um, sort of Kubernetesified, uh, Pervega Vega um, hmm. kind of led the way there internally, and um, oh, and so cool. it's uh, you can deploy Pervega any number of ways, but um, but it's I would say Kubernetes is an official supported way to deploy um Vega. Awesome. Cool.
1: Um,
2: now the there's various components. Obviously, we're we're trying to like maintain statelessness and state on the client so that we can achieve horizontal scale. So services are split up in different ways um, between controller and segment store. You know, we're obviously, as you throw more compute resources at a problem, the more expensive that, you know, that solution becomes. So, so that's the reason for tiered storage is to, uh, you know, we want fast acknowledgements so we can achieve like the highest throughputs, but but ultimately, we want to get that data off of local disk and into cloud storage where it's the most affordable.
0: Yep. Uh, one
2: analogy that I think is helpful to think about these things is um, is just assuming that we're using, let's say, S3 directly. A lot of people will use S3 directly. Um, they'll go, they'll create all their objects, write to those objects, and then they'll come back around and read those objects. Hmm. Well, that the size of your object under that model. Um, increases, if you increase the size of your objects in S3, you're increasing your latency in processing that data. So let's say I'm writing video to S3 in 100 megabyte objects. Um, and I can't read that object until I've fully written, until I've finished writing that object. With, with Prevega in between, I can be writing the object and immediately reading the object. Hmm. You know, and then Prevega will handle asynchronously um, Moving that data up into S3 for us, so, so the reason we want to, I guess, one of the reasons for introducing Pravega is to reduce the latency of these uh, more affordable cloud systems, right? So we can get the affordability right. of S3 for our data, and we can get the the low latency of a of a typical event stream.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I like I like I like the a- capability of integrations there, and you, it seems that. Another big element of, of Pervega that you guys are pushing really, really hard on um, is uh, is these abilities to connect. Well, one of the reasons why you're on here today is because uh, you know Andrew has has written the initially the Presto connector, and then uh, Karan, who's also uh, lurking around in the in the background, is you know he he brought on uh, Trino, and so um, you know like I, I do see a, a huge push for this. Um, you know like trying to make sure that you're interoperable with all these different systems um, because essentially you know it's in the end of the day engineers are building ecosystems and you need to the the more uh a, a ability you have to kind of interconnect and make yourself uh, available to other systems the the more successful you'll be as a project so
2: right yeah i mean and event exchanges are pretty much predicated on integrations right so yeah totally yeah
1: yeah, so and and going the step further and trying to, you know, really take bring the storage capabilities to the forefront of, you know, essentially, how do we keep this long term if we do want to, you know, because you usually have very limited options in, in, in event streams, you're usually like, it's, it's, it's much more ephemeral, it's much more, okay, we're going to keep this around for so much amount of time. But then if uh, something bad happens, you know, uh, beyond 30 days, and, uh, you know, that data is long gone, you can't. Basically replay it, or or have any capability to, uh, you know, re- retrieve that data again from the stream. You have to basically totally rely on you know where that data has materialized downstream. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. So, so the more affordable we can make the storage, you know, the longer you can basically keep your data around,
1: and and take care of all of your you know uh, unavoidable, unfortunately, but you know it, the mistakes that right. will happen on pipelines. So yeah, uh, for sure, so totally. Very, there's very a, cool. a ton of reasons,
2: okay. yeah, for wanting that kind of replay, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, testing. You could do. I mean, now you have a new way that you want to push the data out, uh, and so yeah, and so you know, this th- when you say file or object, too, this could even go to something as cheap as like glacier storage, right? Like, do you? Yeah, do, the, do you
2: read our tiering the what we call long term storage? There's an API for that. Um, there are a few guarantees you need to provide. Um, but but yeah the that the destinations or the storages are pluggable so yeah so anyone Very could correct. come in and plug in anything now kind of like this diagram shows there's controllers and segment stores all of these yeah. things um, scale horizontally and uh, and the states either in Zookeeper or in the client um, we we keep as little state in Zookeeper as possible to sort of achieve um, uh, avoiding sc- scaling bottlenecks. But, yeah. uh, but the clients will talk to both the controller, it'll talk to the controller to find out the current state of the stream and where the segment stores are, and then mm-hmm. it'll talk directly to the segment stores. And, and, then, and then it's the segment store that is, um, let's say retrieving data from S3. So the client won't go directly to S3, the client will will request data from a segment store, and then the segment store will go and, um, you know, handle all the retrieval and the buffering and everything for for what the clients are asking for. Um, there's an additional awesome. layer that this doesn't really show. Oh, does it show that segment containers? Yeah. So those little black boxes are segment containers. Uh, Prevega oh. does um, does a two-level batching. So yeah, here in the segment store box, we've got these little black boxes. This line of little black boxes, and those are labeled segment containers. Okay. So um, we do a. Type of two-level batching, or sometimes I call it double buffering, but that's like a graphics term. Uh, anyway, nice. uh, segments are grouped into segment containers. So, okay. um So this allows us like a second level of batching as as we're writing data to the disk. I may have several clients writing to several um, container or several segments, and those segments may live in a single segment container. So. So we're not only able to like batch up a single client's data into, into our right intervals, but we're able to batch up several clients data into a single segment container. Um, hmm. And this allows us to achieve sort of constant rates of throughput, uh, whether we have increasing numbers of segments or increasing numbers of partitions, or whether we have um, increasing numbers of writers. Uh, I don't know if, if the graph is in, is in here, but, um, but we've done performance tests of, of Kafka and Pulsar, where we see them sort of fall over. uh, Yeah, I don't have, I don't actually don't have those. (laughs) Right. Well, I just wanted to explain this little thing about segments, grouping into segment containers, because it provides some of our ability to, um, to achieve throughput guarantees.
1: That's awesome. So, um, Okay, so basically, and, and here's where uh, I'm going to kind of bring, tap on uh, uh, Andrew a, a little bit. Uh, so, you know, we were just talking a second ago about um, the, uh, you know, the, you guys have these concepts of connectors. And so, uh, you know, there's sync connector. And essentially, I think this is uh, something syncing to Provega. Is that, am I understanding that uh, terminology correct? Seems to um, uh, kind of flip, flip the the. Typically, you think of a sync, you think of something going out, and so you know you're talking about from the context of Pravega. I guess sync in this case is sinking into the event system. Is that?
2: Is yeah, that, this may, I, maybe this is written from the view of Pravega. Okay. Uh, I think you can. You could also, yeah, what you're talking about might be from the from the view of a connector or an element. I would. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, got it. it. You know, in GStreamer land, maybe these terms are reversed, and the sync yeah. writes to Prevega and the source, well, the source generates the data, um, and then the sink writes it to Prevega. So, so yeah, maybe this is right. We're just um, okay. It just feels inside out, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: it does. <laughs> but I was so I wasn't sure if if it was coming from the you know concept of like maybe external systems or. Something like that. But uh, either way, so, you know, in our case, um, we are, you know, in our case being Trino, um, we are viewing um, the, basically, the, the Prevega as a source. So we are, uh, you know, trying to, uh, like, essentially what you, what you all have done is, like, you want to basically have uh, Trino have tables and capabilities to essentially reach out into uh, the metadata sitting in either Apache Zookeeper or, or in the app in the controllers and be able to essentially make sense of where all the segments are located, uh, you know, be, be it they're sitting in Apache Bookkeeper or they've been, you know, like you said, kind of uh, st- uh, stored, stored away on S3 uh, or something like that. And so, you know, it's Trino should essentially be able to, uh, you know, run a query, see it similar to how we have it from, uh, from the viewpoint of, uh, of you know, any, any, any other kind of table. And uh, and query this data. So, um, so I'm kind of curious, uh, Andrew. When did you kind of get involved in this? Because you initially wrote this for for Presto. Um, and so, you know, what was the uh, kind of uh, uh, drive drive here was the Was there an actual use case driving uh, writing this connector, or did you guys just see a lot of use in uh, kind of connecting into you know Presto slash Trino?
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, as Uh, You know, you all know, like, um, I I mean, I hadn't heard of Presto or or Trino or anything um, a a year or so back. And then all of a sudden I started hearing it from lots of different places. Um, And just within, you know, Dell EMC, like we had customers of, you know, some of our cloud storage things talking about Presto. Like, do you support Presto? So we started looking into it and it seemed like this cool thing. Um, And at least in my world, you know, uh, like a year, year and a half ago, it it really started to... um, kind of, kind of really build up and and get, and get super popular. And I'm sure it was before, but that's kind of where, um, sort of, sort of our worlds, um, and then, um, you know, also at the same time, you know, we're working on Pravega and we thought it would be, um, and, and, you know, building some analytics things around, uh, Pravega. So how can we get, how can somebody get insight into their data in Pravega? Right. So, um, Presto and now Trino, right. Seemed like a, a natural thing to sort of support um you know there's a there's some other connectors like flink um already for predega so we have kind of looked at like the next step of um supporting what custom you know people and customers might need
1: yeah. yeah that's also another really interesting one too and we brought up flink a couple times uh on the show here too we have like you know uh we you know, Trino is particularly an OLAP system that's, you know, trying most of the time to like really optimize the reads and uh, read performance. Um, But, but, you know, we all also talk a lot on the show about ingestion because if your data doesn't ingest fast enough or isn't, uh, you know, showing up in the, you know, based on your requirements, then Trino becomes very useless very quickly, right? If the data is not there or, or in a, a, you know, optimal format. And so, um, so, you know, we, we've had different guests on here that have had an array of things, you know, uh, of, of different solutions. Um, and, and a lot of them do include either spark or flink, uh, usually in, in tandem with, uh, some event store. So, uh, sorry, some event streaming system. And And, and so I think that, uh, you know, the, the Flink integration is becoming much more popular across the board and, you know, including, uh, we have, you know, a lot of people that are iceberg fans that, you know, there's also a Flink integration there and, uh, you know, dumping your data into that. So I, could we just do a quick segue off that? And, uh, either Andrew, you, if you've done work on the Flink or, or Derek, uh, if you worked on the Flink connector, any of like, uh. You know, is that the primary kind of like driver connector that you all use to kind of uh, you know ingest data, uh, or is there you know uh, uh, kind of even distribution? Do you do anything with Spark,
2: or
3: I, I'm yeah. not so I'll, I'll run directly. Yes, uh,
2: yeah. So the Flink connector um, was the first connector for Pravega. It, it was oh, cool. originally like in the Pravega source code. It's since been split out. You can find Flink connectors repository on our. On our github org cool um, so so yeah we support um i guess typical flink jobs and flink sql mm-hmm. um, i guess flink sql is is somewhat similar to um to trino uh, w- we typically see more um what do they call continuous queries there or i yep. think in trino terms it's called a dynamic table so dynamic tables can actually be really cool for sort of um syncing Data syncing, transform data into Prevega and then sort of sourcing it back out into additional dynamic tables. You can almost think of these dynamic tables as like CTEs or, or you know, with statements at the top of your SQL query. Um, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, we're I guess we're pretty mature in that in that environment, whether it's running uh, Flink SQL jobs over streams and then producing subsequent streams and then kind of. Doing that in sequence, or uh, um, or just running, you know, traditional Flink jobs in a sort of sp- uh, it's it's kind of a Spark-like syntax, right? Or a Java Streams-like syntax. Very cool. Uh, Spark has been added recently, so we do. You can find Spark connectors on our GitHub. Um, but Flink is the.
1: I would say, if you were to make a recommendation, if somebody's like. Hey, I want to give uh, you know Pravega a try. You would say for ingestion purposes, uh, Flink makes a lot of sense.
2: It's more more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think. Well, for certain areas, right? I mean, obviously, people are asking us for Spark as well, and I think yeah. you know whether maybe GPU acceleration, maybe Spark is a little more mature there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there obviously be your reasons for choosing one or the other. Yeah. Fair enough. I think okay. We, I think we started looking at Spark specifically for GPU acceleration.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think I, it's a little tangential, anyways, off the off the off the main topic. But I was I was just kind of curious about that because I know a, a lot of our listeners are are you know always trying to optimize their uh, their ingestion and and speeds there. So um, so back. Sorry, Andrew. I didn't mean to totally uh, throw you off the tangent. But uh, uh, so what when we're reading um, from you know. Uh, basically from Provega, and we're you know pulling through these uh, these different segment uh, containers. I, I assume in segments. Um, you know how how does uh, how do we keep track of where we're at in time? Uh, are we do we essentially do something where we start from the beginning of what's available on on the you know current stream and just start moving along? I, my my mo- mental model is very much based on very much how kafka works uh, and and so i think about it as kind of like uh something moving along in the queue but does it even work like that or is there is it totally yeah. different for Pravega?
3: yeah it does it, it very much works like that so when okay. we end up getting a query deep down in the connector we're going to have um a, a scoped stream that we're going to the key off of right so the stream the stream is like the encapsulation of all these different segments the okay. stream is a logical thing and there's segments underneath right so we're asking the controller, right? So we're using the controller APIs. Oh no! Um, somewhere to say, okay, what are the different segments that are in this stream, and we're going to get some list of some of those back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we're able to sort of iterate, you know, those byte events within uh, a particular segment, um, and each one of those, as we move along the segment, is um, a new event and something that's that's queryable. Okay. So, yeah, from the connector, we're asking Provega controller, like, what's the information? What's the metadata about this stream? What are the segments? And then we kind of go from there.
1: Okay. And how do you set the, the schema? Is that, is that determined kind of real time as you like, basically okay. just pull from metadata or is there, uh, is that basically just set, um, you know, like you would just point to, uh, the Provega store, it'll know to look at the metadata, the, the controller essentially, and it'll be able to find that information there.
3: Um, so there's a there's sort of another step there, right? So Pravega proper itself doesn't really know anything about the data, right? It's just okay. opaque bytes, right? Somebody's just writing bytes to it, and it doesn't know or you know necessarily care. So for us, that schema comes from somewhere else. Um, there's another Pravega project uh, called Schema Registry, okay, um, which sort of serves this purpose, right? So that's where we get it from, right? So by convention, we're looking for um, uh, what's called a group in Schema Registry. Mm-hmm. We'll look there for the schema if it's there we'll use it um else we'll look on local disk on the trino coordinator for something matching that stream And that's going to tell us what the schema of the object is
0: oh very and cool. then and then it maps into trino native data types basically. and then we map so it into
3: that's... and map it into trino right and you don't that's i mean right so that's what we have prevega schema registry you know uh local disk um you know defining a local disk and there's no reason it couldn't be something else right i mean that part's pluggable but that's what we mm. have now yeah
0: very cool very, very cool. Okay. Um, so so in the end, when the stream comes, you can query it with SQL and you can get different types and fields and everything, like just in a normal
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um and, and perhaps I I should have started with this too. Um so we, we have, you know, our the idea of a stream, right? So like how do we map uh to Trino? So um in, in addition to streams, streams are within a scope. So scope in Prevega is basically um you can think of it as a namespace. And within that namespace, you have streams, right? So we kind of map that onto Trino, where a scope will be your schema in your catalog, and then underneath, you know, your Trino schema um, are the streams that are that are in that scope, right? So if you were to, you know, show tables from Pravega catalog and you know uh, X Y Z scope, right? You would see uh, a list of streams that were in in Prevega, and you can create from there as as individual tables. Oh, cool.
1: Very very cool. Um, so uh, we're gonna um, basically have to move on from 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 this, but this is super super cool. I really like. I always enjoy, especially because it's it's not really like intuitive all the time how how you would map something you know like a stream uh, directly into a batch system that like that astrino. And and to be clear, you know that that's that scoped or namespace that Andrew's talking about. That's the kind of piece that makes. This not a true streaming query that you're running, right? You're not running anything similar like Flink, where you're actually able to run this kind of continuous uh, query. It's it's not doing anything like any magic like that, right, Andrew?
3: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not. I mean, it's like very much just like a typical database, right? It means we're just reading, um, you know, from one end to the other. So yeah, nothing continuous. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Last thing I wanted to kind of get, uh, to covering, uh, before we, we hop into the next one, uh, hop into the next segment. Um, so I have this kind of, uh, this, this comparison chart, um, that's, let me click on here and get a little zoom in, uh, this comparison chart that kind of, uh, you know, just does does exactly what I think a lot of our, our users like to like to see is just tell us what exists on all of them, tell us what doesn't exist, and um, and this is the one that you all have on Pravega.io. Uh, so I just basically copied it from there and just put it into our notes format. Um, could you kind of you know using this as kind of like a, a, the the full list of of what we've even gone over today? Um, you know, what's the ultimate you know goal with with Pravega that really drove the you know basically building something outside of what, what currently exists as the well-known solutions today is Kafka and Pulsar. And this, I guess, one will probably just go back to Derek, uh, if you have any kind of, uh, overarching statements or kind of final statements to summarize this. Sure. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, obviously Dell has a lot of experience in very large systems. So, yeah. So Dell has, has used Kafka pretty extensively and, um, and, and other technologies as well. So, so I think it, from our experience there, we've uh, we've sort of wanted wanted something more. Whether that's to improve the lives of the developers themselves, or or even to improve the lives of the you know system administrators and the operations staff. Yeah. On either side, as as your sort of um, as your abstractions deviate from from their concerns, you sort of make their lives more difficult. So. You know, I mean, we've talked about some of this stuff already, but obviously we all, you know, all the systems support transactions, all the systems support event streams. And that's kind of where, you know, Provega starts to try to differentiate itself with um, long-term retention. You know, that's the long-term storage, the two-tier storage we talked about earlier.
1: Uh,
2: Asynchronous, you know, moving the data asynchronously from the stream cache and the write-ahead log or the durable log into um, cloud storage. So that we sort of led the way there. Um, Pulsar has um, has implemented, has a full implementation in their open source now. So so Pulsar has that. We could maybe do like a half check um, here for Kafka. Their, um, their open source implementation is coming along. Uh, Confluent is previewing tiered storage in the proprietary offering. And uh, I checked recently the, their interfaces have been committed. They're, in-memory long-term driver has been committed. They've they've thrown away their or pulled out their HDFS and S3 open-source drivers. So, so something will happen there. That but code is slowly being merged, but the production um, code is not there yet. Okay. Uh, another thing we're very concerned about at Dell, uh, you see it in a lot of our storage products, but durable by default. Like Dell does not like to lose data, um, so mm. being durable by default was really key for us. Yeah. Um, Pulsar is also durable by default. I've seen uh, um, a cap to change Kafka defaults so that it'll be durable by default. So maybe soon we'll see Kafka um, become durable by default. You can certainly change a few toggles and make it durable. Um, Auto scaling is, I think, uh, you know, our our big thing. That's uh, you know a big sell for the operations team and the system administrators. Um, you know, you don't have to replay your entire stream into your scaled cluster like you do with other systems. Other systems, yeah. like, you know, you've got to basically like reshard your data after you've scaled. Yeah, uh, we we try to avoid that. There, you know, there may be reasons to do that in Pravega with with certain streams. Um, eventually, we we are able to like balance, you know, segments across segment containers and other things as you add nodes. So there's different levels to this auto scaling. Yeah, um, ingestion of large data. This is you know. Really speaking to our byte stream API, if you if you don't use the event API and you use our byte stream API with it with exclusive writers, you can basically do video streams into Pervega. Yeah, you mm. can read those streams back and do video analytics. Um, so this is something that P- Kafka and Pulsar do, but you you chunk up the data yourself and you pack it in a message, and then on the other end you you pull the data back out of messages. So it's a it's quite a bit of heavy lifting for the developer in those systems. Mm. Um, efficient at high partition counts, also efficient at high writer counts. So this is uh, that segment to segment container sort of two layer batching that I talked about earlier, uh, allows okay. us to achieve consistent throughput rates where where we can show Kafka and uh, Pulsar sort of fall over right. as, as we increase these scale factors. And then um, consistent state replication, that refers to our, this is used in our tr- transactions, but basically you have um, conditional appends on our segments. So we we um, we can do basically a state synchronizers on top of that. Hmm. It, uh, it's very similar um, to what, it, what do you call it? Uh, monotonic versioning, I guess, where it's like commit this change if if the sequence number is still three, right? Got it. Um, so so off of that capability is built into the segments. So off of that, we can you know build uh, state re- state synchronizers. Do the state synchronizer pattern. And then uh, on top of state synchronizers and other things, we we build these key value tables. So inside of the streams, you can maintain key value tables. All the readers of the, and writers of the key value tables um, are guaranteed to like stay in lockstep with each other as they as they work with this uh, nice or, or writing data there.
0: So, so this well, replaces is...
2: HBase. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe uh, we're we're in uh, the second beta of key value tables, so we're still okay. sort of. Um, tuning things, but we invite people to check it out. It is really cool. Our Aka Aka connector has, uh, check out our YouTube for the Aka connector demo, and you'll see some really cool um, uses of like keeping counters and key value tables while processing data coming through streams. Nice. Yep.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, uh, I think that's awesome. I mean, we, we definitely went, uh, really into quite the long, weeds yeah. there and quite <laughs> long, but I, I tell you what, I think it was really useful. Like there's just a lot to Prevega. Um, and, and I think at this point, you know, it's, it's time for people heard more about it and understood it a little bit better. So, so hopefully this is a good resource for all of our listeners and, uh, you know, have them consider, uh, have them consider Prevega for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that? Was a great conversation. Let's uh, let's go ahead on, head on uh, head and give uh, Andrew a little time to shine and uh, you know c- uh, cover into the uh, the demo of the week. All right, okay. Andrew, uh, show us uh, show us your best stuff. Let's uh, let's see. Uh, so this is going to be showing us uh, a little bit about the uh, um, the Trino connector um, and uh, basically how it's all set up. So tell tell us what's happening now.
3: Yeah, so I'm just gonna um, bring up our stack, and uh, it takes a minute or two, so I'm just gonna do that to sort of get that uh, underway before I, um, you know, just kind of show you, uh, you know, just briefly discuss um, kind of what I have to show you. Um, so, sure. So, so in our code, right, um, in, on GitHub, we have our uh, Trino and Presto connectors, right. So right now, these are are separate, right, and obviously we're um, focusing on, on Trino, and within there, we have a, a, a getting started. Um, sort of sample, right? And at the end of this, basically what we're doing is setting up a full Provega stack. I mean, we're just running it locally on um, this VM here. We're gonna um, insert some data and query it using using Trino. Um, Awesome. uh, And alongside of that, we have a a little demo um, Java application that does um, the ingestion of the data. And I was going to also kind of, after running this, kind of step through a little bit of this code because um, not only does it explain a couple of things um, on the on the Trino side, I think it um, will show uh, you know some of what um, of you actually using Prevega on other the client, right, and some of the stuff that um, that Derek has has spoken about. Um, yeah, so so quickly, just going back to the CLI, right? So you can see that um, you know we have a number of services. So we have um, HDFS right now is um, going to be our long-term storage and that's just local disk and we have zookeeper you know all our bookkeepers um, we have a prevega instance on the coordinator and one for the segment store you know we have this thing called schema registry which we just spoke about and then this uh, other image which is uh, Trino itself right so maybe the, the first thing to sort of discuss is right so I so I mentioned that we have um, uh, these connectors in our own code base right so we're not in the main line so uh, we basically just have um, the first step which I've already done because it's not that uh, exciting to look at is we're basically just um, inserting ourselves into, uh, we're just creating an image right with our configuration and our plugin running it, All right, So that's, that's what this is here and then we start that up. So now that's whatever's in the Trino base image plus, plus our plugin. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and run run the demo it's going to insert some things and i'll go ahead and and, and talk about it um and this should start co- all right so this is going to go start ingesting some data um so i'm going to go ahead to the sample up while this runs um and, and the first thing i want to show is basically ingesting data into um hey can in, you uh, bump
2: up your font a little bit
3: Uh yeah Uh, yeah, if somebody wants to shout out how to do that real quickly while I'm struggling through it,
2: I think a pitch zoom, or I don't know if like Control Plus or I, I
1: uh, do. Uh, I don't have a uh, Windows, unfortunately. So
3: <laughs> this is on um, this is on Linux. Uh, on Linux. Well, my apologies. Um,
0: the... Easiest might be to change screen resolution altogether.
3: Uh, um. Real sorry about this. Is it like oh, no in ideal? IntelliJ?
2: I always pinch Zoom, but I don't know what kind of I don't know if you have a touchpad there.
0: <laughs> nope. Well, let's just run with this. I oh. guess. Yeah, yeah, I'd say,
1: I say we just if you could just run through it instead of and maybe instead of uh, going through all of the um, you know the stuff in the Git, GitHub or any of the code uh, too, too extensively, we can just kind of run through the explain through the because uh, I can see your console pretty well. All right,
3: yeah, yeah. All right. So, okay. So, what this did was just wrote um to so three different streams within the same scope um, demo is our scope inventory is a stream uh, we just wrote a thousand sample events it's all just dummy data right this first one happens to use avro and you can see the schema um, the second one is uh sensor stream and that's uh, a json schema and then this last one there is um no schema schema dumps right so um just to quickly describe what's happening here, which I would have shown in the code, was for this first stream is um, uh, we're writing the data using schema registry um, Mm -hmm. provided client wrappers, in which case we're just using their serializers provided by the Provega schema registry. It's taking care of um, serializing the data for us and managing our schema in schema registry um, itself, right? So we're not doing anything with the schema. Uh, That's kind of happening automatically. Um, the second case is i'm writing events and i'm managing the schema on my own but i'm still storing it in schema registry so i'm just writing events and then at a band i'm sort of adding this uh, schema to uh, schema registry and that just happened where it's stored and then this last one right is is the third way in which um, i have not put the schema anywhere it's just on local disk and that's inserted um, into the image um, right, so we have our schema definition here, and then this ends up on the Trino coordinator, um, where it can be, you know, uh, queried, you know, where, where we can build the actual stream stream ah, definition from. Very cool. So now I'll, I'll go ahead and um, fire up a CLI, and we'll just uh, take a quick look at um, what that looks like. So this is just the Trino CLI um, as, right? So just to quickly show that, yes, we do have uh, Prevega running and forgive my slow, sluggish uh, single node VM here. Um, Right, so when we do, again, so now when we're showing schemas from Pravega, right, we've just gone and asked uh, Pravega, what are the scopes, right? And now when we do show tables within this schema, right, we're asking what are the streams that are within um, the demo scope, right? We should see these three. Right. So again, um, these these first two inventory and sensor, we're going to actually reach out to Schema Registry and see if they have anything for something called demo.inventory. If they do, we'll use it. Um, same thing with sensors, and then transactions that doesn't exist. So again, we're grabbing this right from um, fr- uh, from the local disk on the coordinator to to build the definition. And as you can see, you know we've we've mapped you know that abro schema that was dumped the screen um you know we've mapped that um to the to the uh, given um trino, trino types
0: that's awesome <laughs> so and it then, just yeah. exposes that in the information schema and then any cli or whatever or the other tool can understand all that data right right you can consume it yeah And then
3: yeah I mean this is just dummy data in here so you know not particularly uh, meaningful but just to show that you know it all works. And, you know,
1: Andrew, I, that's all we deal with on this show yeah. is dummy data.
3: Yeah. And you can do it with, you know, specifically, course, any, you know, any constraints and whatever that's uh, supported by Trino and, and full SQL. Um, yeah, it, it works. Um,
1: awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so we'll add the, uh, the links into this too, by the way, because I, I think the more valuable uh, thing to take away from this too, is that you can, and uh, you, you could just go ahead run, jump into this and, and play around with it. And uh, Andrew, if you if you want me to uh, you know hand me the links after the show, I can actually kind of point people to a couple of those uh, areas of the code that you wanted me to to point out, or that you were that you were going to go point out.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, so. that'd be great. Because yeah, I do encourage you to look at the actual uh, code. There's only a couple class files, and again, you know, it kind of shows how you ingest into Prevega right? So nothing to do with Trino um and then you know how we how we use you know how we use schema registry and how we do things yeah um, and it should be a good primer to get you started on, on both things
1: yeah. yeah very cool uh really exciting stuff especially from the from the standpoint of, like we're we're pretty obsessed with schemas and making sure that uh you know things are aligning especially now if we're you know thinking of ourselves in uh, these positions like data mesh and trying to align uh you know things across uh organizations it's a it's a huge piece to to uh, to our technology and and what we think about a lot, so so very very cool. Uh, I'm really really super excited that uh, you did this, and and we're we're actually going to be talking about this uh, the the PR that pulled this in here in just a second. So before we hop onto that, did you want to m- mention anything else, uh, Andrew? Before we uh, we is, move along, just
3: quickly the to on onto schema. So just so what we support, we support JSON, um, Avro, protobuf, Protocol Buffers. Um, and there's standard like delimited field, like CSV or or something similar. Um, the reason we started with those is because other than being popular, um, that's what our Pravega schema registry supports out of the box. Um, we could use anything. It's just a matter of, um, you know, looking up the schema and and translating it. Right. So that's what we started with. And, you know, of course, uh, looking to grow support of other formats as well.
1: Awesome. Love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always super, super helpful too. And you don't have to custom code all that stuff yourself. So, all right. Well, with that, let's go on to the PR of the week. Per usual, I'm uh, not going to be able to make it uh, to the to the the spot in my screen in time, but now we're here. <laughs> so, um, so this week's PR of the week is actually not in TrinoDB Trino. DB Trino. Um, let me go ahead and bring up. Uh, uh Karan Karan hey welcome to the show uh he's been hanging out in the back uh, patiently waiting for me to to give him his accolades <laughs>
4: hey guys hey how are you doing
1: doing well uh so so you you uh so Andrew you you created uh, the the presto connector and then Karan uh you you know obviously we we had the re- rebranding uh, back in January, and then, you know, things, uh, uh, you know, as, as unfortunate uh, outside of our, our uh, uh, ability to control, we had to basically do a very quick uh, change into some of the requirements for the APIs, that everything basically that was saying Presto had to move to Trino, and that broke a couple things and basically caused it to where you have to change uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, that JDBCs and all these things that interact with uh, our system, right, uh, HTTP calls as well. Um, so, uh, so you then kind of, uh, took the existing Presto code and split this off into, into Trino, into this, uh, PR 49 that we're pulling up here. So is that correct? Yeah. That,
4: that's correct. Yeah.
1: So, uh, what was the experience? Like, you know, I just, from a, from a, uh, uh, understanding of like, what's, uh, you know. Uh, what the experience is like to, to migrate from a, you know, something that works for Presto and now something that will work for Trino. Was it a pretty straightforward process or was there a lot of uh, difficulties uh, in kind of making that migration?
4: Yep, that's a good question. Uh, so uh, there weren't many difficulties in terms of uh, the actual uh, logical changes and uh, coaches, but yes, there's uh, there was, it took some amount of work to kind of, Uh, migrate from a project which does or or rather organizes things in a different way as compared to Trino where uh, things are organized in a very different way especially when you're trying to access SPIs and stuff. Uh, There have been some changes in the table layouts and stuff like that on the Trino side. So yep, uh, it took some amount of code changes, uh, major amount of organizational changes in terms of code Uh, But yeah, I wouldn't call it either straightforward or too difficult. It was just like, you know, on an average, like about a week's worth of work and boom, we had it.
1: Do you think the biggest like part of it? So, so uh, one thing for for those that haven't uh, looked through any of the when we did the change on on Trino, there was one other change that uh, that you know David Phillips uh, had proposed a while back, and this was kind of our opportunity. Uh, our, our connectors and everything in the if you look at the Presto project too now, like the connectors uh, are starting to build up. And it's becoming it's making like the artifacts list in there kind of get super, super long. So they they for the long time wanted to kind of modularize that. And so we looked at the rebrand as kind of this opportunity. Well, everything's breaking anyways. Right. So we might as well uh, go ahead and do that. And so did that was that the primary, I guess, kind of addition of additional layer of complexity in the migration or was there other other pieces outside of that?
4: That's right. Yeah, Uh, that's exactly right. So the modularity, which comes along with, you know, as they moved away from uh, the Presto project initially was the one where uh, the major difficulty had arised uh, because that was something different as compared to what we were doing with the Presto connector you guys had put everything in the plugins, whereas Presto had like all the connectors laying out and then uh, various like packages, naming and stuff like that, Uh, certain uh, dependencies which had changed Um, Mm -hmm. in some place at some places which were uh, supposed to be fixed. So, yeah, those were those were uh, the major difficulties that we had while we were migrating. from.
1: Good, Good to know. And it's always good to think about that, too, especially as other people like that maintain internal projects that are thinking about still, you know, we, we know that the reality is that not everybody has upgraded yet and they're still thinking about when do we move to Trino and some of the difficulties. We talked about it too with LinkedIn a while back and, and their migration journey, uh, from, from Presto to Trino. So it's always good to kind of bring those, those, uh, kind of woes up as well. And, and, you know, so that everybody kind of knows what to expect and gets a good, a good sense out of that. So, um, so thank you so much for, for bringing this in and, and, uh, we're really excited to kind of have this, uh, this connector now, uh, between, uh, Provega and, and Trino and, uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's gonna yet again, kind of grow exposure on, on both sides of the, of the field. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see, um, you know, as Provega starts to build out and, and become more and more common, uh, you know, our, our, uh, um, our users be able to kind of take advantage of this. So, so thank you so much for putting this PR together and, uh, you know, uh, putting and doing all this work. Sure. Thanks, Brad. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to the uh, uh, question of the week. Okay. Um, and I'm going to do the last little bit. So this question is a um, little bit self serving um but it is going to be serving a good purpose it's all for a good cause um so uh so this question of the week is asking kind of uh what's the point of trino forum and what's its relationship to trino slack so i have been uh working um on trino forum and uh it's actually so let me pull up the uh oops i'm trying to click on this on the stream not on the actual page so um so this, this question actually came up. Uh, I, I pitched uh, this idea, Trino Forum. Uh, we have uh, this thing called Trino Slack. And by the way, if you have not joined the Trino Slack, uh, there's a link in the show notes to to do so. Um, and so we have a lot of our kind of tribal knowledge and uh, a lot of really kind of uh, ad hoc uh, informal, informal uh, discussion around feature changes and things like that that happen in Slack. Uh, but one of the things that was really difficult is, you know, Um, you know, kind of day to day, we get a lot of newcomers that are, that are coming into the project to Trino and they're asking a lot of, you know, very similar questions. And the reason why they're asking these questions is because they can't find the answers to begin with. And, uh, Slack, unfortunately does not, uh, you know, kind of lend itself to being searchable by Google crawlers and things like that, it's actually a very private platform. And, and um, you know, and, and it's really good for ad hoc uh, discussions. But then when you want to take those discussions and kind of condense it into um, the, uh, uh, the actual uh, kind of digestible, uh, uh, not documentation, but kind of, you know, pre-documentation, as I like to think of it, um, you know, you, you don't really have the ability to do that. And so, uh, I initially kind of set out on this project to kind of say, hey, wh- why don't we put together, uh, you know, an FAQ on on Trino? And um, unfortunately, this, you know, kind of has a lot of, uh, you know, scalability issues, especially, you know, as uh, I'm, I'm only one person and I would be doing a lot of this in the earlier days. But then as we even scaled up uh, maybe a team in Starburst or something, it's or having, you know, some community effort that, that scales up. It's not going to be something that would be like everybody can just join, and so we started looking at a lot of uh, other community or other uh, projects that that started to use forums, uh, and so um, so we we're now looking into uh, uh, adding this uh, Trino forum, and uh, it's basically going to be a complement to to Trino Slack. It takes a lot of even think- conversations that have happened already in Trino Slack, and mostly just kind of ports them over. Uh, it takes maybe you know, the three different locations that they happen in Slack or, uh, or the long, huge thread and tries to condense that information down, uh, rather than this kind of back and forth conversation to basically just give you, you know, uh, straightforward answers. Um, if there's c- questions that get re-asked, we are going to kind of try to similarly to stack overflow, try to just mark these as duplicates and, and try to, you know, make sure that, uh, it's a it's a very it's a really condensed uh, web of of information that maybe at some point you know as we get more and more of it uh, could be good stuff uh, content to lend itself to documentation and uh, but you know kind of in the interim uh, fill this kind of gap where you know. Especially as new features roll out and things like that, or or, or changes happen, um, you know, you get to see it real time, and community efforts will will bring up a, a lot of this uh, this information. And the best part is it gets all indexed by a Google you know crawler somehow, and you can now search all this information. And so. Uh, we really don't see this as kind of like a Slack replacement in any way, shape or form. Slack is really good for when you have a question, you don't know the answer to it and you need to get a little bit of dialogue, um, to let's say develop a feature or something like that. But we want this to kind of really fill the spot of, uh, you know, common questions that get asked. uh, you know, basically a, a, uh, a living FAQ, and uh, and essentially be this uh, this nice resource where where people can uh, can do this, and uh, it's all this one uh, versus the uh, you know uh, things like Trino community broadcast and other uh, uh, items that we have. Um, this is, you know, um, run and managed by Starburst, but we do welcome community members to come in and essentially, uh, the more active you are on this forum, you, you get more kind of management capabilities and and moderation capabilities, just like any other forum. And hopefully at one point, the goal is that we don't really manage this as much anymore. And it's, it's, uh, primarily community driven. So, so, um. So we are really excited about this. I pitched this to a couple of people earlier on, and this was that their questions that I got back was you know confusion between why we're going to use uh uh you know discourse forum versus uh you know we we already have Slack, and so I wanted to be very clear as to uh, what the point is, and so so this is now uh, kind of you know getting up active and hopping. I've talked to a couple community members that are already asking questions and, uh, um, and already kind of getting some answers in uh, through there. Uh, I'm also super active and they're trying to port over a lot of the stuff that uh, a lot of tribal knowledge that we've had, um, kind of sitting in Slack and getting those, you know, very, very high level common questions uh, brought out into this uh, Trino Q&A section. And then we'll also, of course, have a community section where we try to condense uh, very useful resources and um, you know, and, and, like blogs and things like that, that we find on the internet that are super useful. Um, so, uh, so hopefully, yeah, definitely take advantage of this if you are, uh, you know, uh, especially a newcomer, uh, intermediate person. Uh, but even if you're the advanced person, we, we really need you. And, uh, um, you know, I, at some point we are going to be looking into, uh, um, setting up a prize to give out commander bun bun plushies, uh, commander bun bun. For those of you who don't know, we have, uh, this little, uh, uh, mascot bunny here. Uh, Commander Bun Bun uh, plushies are are made now. They're um, in transit. And so uh, once they are here, we will be uh, setting up prizes to uh, basically... Uh, answer a certain number of questions or ask a certain number of questions and uh, we'll be sending the the first 20 to answer I think it's uh, we put somewhere in the range of like five questions or answering five questions once you've done five things essentially on Trino Forum then we'll be sending the first 20 a plushie so um, so really excited about that and uh, stay tuned for that and with, uh, with that I think that that pretty much wraps up the show so uh, I want to again uh, say a huge thank you to uh, Uh, the fine folks from Dell labs, but you know, the Prevega community in reality. Uh, Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Karan. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Also thanks to Flavio and and everybody else that works on the Prevega community. It's a really, really, really cool, badass project and uh, I'm really excited to uh, uh, play around with it more and uh, do a couple more of these uh, probably moving on the future. So, so again, thanks everyone.
0: Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Very great.
1: Awesome. Manfred, uh, before we hop off, anything else you want to add or anything I missed?
0: Well, make sure you register for the Trino Summit next week and join us there.
1: Yep. Awesome. Well, see you all then next week at the Trino Summit. Talk to you later.